You're listening to the best barbecue show, and I am back from a whirlwind trip across the good old U.S. of A. From L.A. to New York, I've been chasing down the story and talking to the people who were there cooking. This week, I'm reporting from an epic event in Los Angeles. The LA Food Bowl invited a solid list of Texas barbecuers, and they all cooked together in a way that was truly magical. Pits lined up like hot rods at a car show. I got to watch some of my favorites cook their favorite meats. But for part one of the LA Food Bowl, we have a diverse group. There are people you meet hanging out at the barbecue cook, whether they're lending a hand, organizing and writing about the event, or making an amazing dessert. I talked to Adam and Dan from Moose, who are hanging out, getting ready to serve hundreds of platters to anxious patrons. I talked to Andrea Chang, deputy food editor for the LA Times, and an expert in the world of food, especially in LA. I can only imagine all her stories. She's really living the dream. Whether she's writing about the evolution of different foods in Los Angeles, or talking about her old colleague, Jonathan Gold, she knows the story of food. Every meal ends with dessert, and I got to talk to a dessert master, Valerie Gordon, of Valerie Confections. This is a woman who, according to LA Magazine, makes the best chocolate in Los Angeles. But she didn't just bring dessert, she cooked it, on a big green egg right alongside Aaron Franklin's double barrel pits. She cooked this bread pudding that she covered in mezcal. It was really interesting to watch and pretty delicious to taste. Uh, But before we start, I want to thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for connecting on Instagram or Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I'm trying to create as much as I can to match the different contents, to match what you guys like to see, whether it's some fun text on Twitter or some YouTube videos. I hope you're enjoying all the content, and please reach out, send me a message, tell me which places I'm missing. Uh, I love talking to the people who eat this stuff, the people who cook it, and uh, as always, I'm always running into someone new at Snows or wherever I am every weekend. Enjoy this episode of The Best Barbecue Show. I want the story from the just regular guys. The regular guys. The guys who really cook the meat. I'm just kidding. Or make sure you're coming towards me. Yeah, well, I just got them in the mail, so they're uh, they're they're still like decompressing from the package they shove them in. I know. I'm sorry. I should have pre-puffed them yeah, for you. Yeah, what the hell, dude? I need this fluffed. <laughs> you're listening to and/or watching the best barbecue show. I am in L.A. at Grand Park. That's right. The Shark Man Dan and Adam, a.k.a. Adam Complains. How's it going, guys? Not bad. Not bad at all. You guys get any sleep? or? I did. I got a solid five hours. Nice. Feeling refreshed and ready to slice some briskets. We got the boss, Andrew, over here. How's it going? These guys are supposed to be working. <laughs> you don't pay me for I, I this. Thought guys, <laughs> I thought you guys were taking a break. Uh, so you all have been cooking since yesterday. You get some rest, or uh, two couple hours for me. We nice. finished around uh, three o'clock or so yesterday this morning, and then back no, 
I got a, I got a good amount of rest. I'm feeling good, man. Yeah. I went home early. No partying for me. <laughs> I don't think anyone was partying. I think everyone was just staring at fires all night. Yeah. It was too late of a night to get too crazy. <laughs> nice. So what are y'all serving today? Andrew? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, we're doing a brisket taco uh, with a blue corn tortilla, and we're serving our uh, verde sausage and a cup of esquite. Ooh. Yep. That's that's a solid plate right there. Yeah, we're doing a little bit of everything, trying to show our what what we do. That's more you. You ready to make like five hundred of those? Oh, I can't wait! I'm gonna be <laughs> scooping lots of corn. <laughs> so, what's it like? Uh, you know, we're we're standing behind kind of some epic pits, some giant concrete built rib and whole hog pits. You, you you enjoying the scene right now? Definitely. It feels like the camera's pointed the wrong way, looking at us with all those <laughs> yeah. all those guys over there. Well, don't worry. I'll, I'll cut in some. <laughs> okay. I'll cut in some shots. <laughs> some B-roll. Uh, yeah, it's been awesome, man. It was really cool yesterday. We got out here pretty early. Got started early, and with all these awesome people out here, seeing them building pits, it's cool. Almost doesn't feel real, you know, seeing people <laughs> you normally see on on YouTube or nowhere near California, all here together. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. All hanging out, eating pizza, tacos. Not to mention like the size of the fires that are here in the middle of the middle of the city. Like, right. Yeah. Nice. Like this is usually super illegal, right? No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like you can't open a restaurant with an offset in um, LA. I don't know. Maybe you can. Yeah. I'm sure there's ways. A lot of gray I bet. area. They're doing it in in Houston with all those. Yeah. So if you do it like in, like the, you know, city proper, it's probably a lot harder. But if you go out towards the suburbs, you know, it's really just the city at this point. So you have to work with the city, and then if they sign off, then you gotta have environmental take a look at it, and if they sign off, then the health department will sign off. Yeah. So you guys are in the process of that right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you think Smorgasbord is there's like a bunch of people who are ready to like run through the door right now that are going to be <laughs> running to nothing uh, i heard last time we weren't there people ran and were looking around like where are they at so maybe there's a couple people that don't uh read the instagram but it's cool you guys are gonna serve like hundreds of people just like one awesome bite it's maybe kind of a, or we'll have way. no line and watch aaron and his long line on the other side <laughs> uh, i think well how many people are serving seven uh ten ten yeah so I mean, I think you divide 600 by 10, that's just like six really long lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think there's <laughs> enough space in there. It should be. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't know how they got the occupancy for 600 <laughs> people to be in that tiny well, area. I, I think it was supposed to be split between two uh, two times, wasn't it originally? Yeah, uh, that's what. I, I know there's some people who bought tickets for both times, and then all of a sudden it was just one. Which is good for us because we get to go home earlier. And yeah, it's great for us. Well, yeah, show. there's no way that you guys are going to probably give it all away in three or four hours yeah. don't you think oh you guys are working duty calls but uh you, you got to run too i don't think so no yeah i think i'm good <laughs> so how long have you been cooking with moose uh this was actually the first first cook i've done but i've been slicing since uh january so nice um, it's been been a lot of fun to get get the feel for brisket and the other beats you know in a, in a volume that i'm not used to and really uh you What's know. the secret to slicing meat properly? Uh, just practice, you know, like like anything. Sharp uh, knife. Yeah, sharp knife practice. 
And uh, you guys use like Dexter's? Or you use something fancier? Uh, we have Victorinix or something, something along those lines. Vic- Victorinox. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. A couple of those uh, that we got. Not not long after we started doing Smorgasburg, and uh, yeah, that that helped quite a bit to have those. And it's it's interesting to see, you know, the first couple of weeks it was a lot of the Moose fans who came and like were used to barbecue and knew what they were getting, um, and then. As it's gone on, there's a lot more of, you know, people who don't even know really what, what brisket is, you know, so it's kind of, oh, you know, maybe I'll have, like, a little bit of pulled pork, and we'll slice them off like a burn end or something, and you can see it in their eyes when they're, it changes their mind, like, wait, that was brisket? Okay, give me, give me some of that, so it's, it's, it's a little bit tougher, because the lines go a little longer when everyone's getting, like, one slice here and there, but um, it's, it's cool to see people having it for the first time. Well, and you got a lot of first timers out here in yeah, LA because you're one of only what half a dozen places serving Texas barbecue. Yeah, yeah, and there's so many good, so much good food at Smorgasburg that you know sometimes people later in the day will just stop by and and uh, not even have you know heard about Texas style brisket and get a taste for the first time. Is it shocking when just as soon as you open, people come running to the the stand? Uh, not too much because I used to be one of those people, so. <laughs> Is that is that all? Did you just start working there? It's like a secret way to get get in on the inside. Yeah, get, get some some get, get brisket without waiting in line. Yeah, it, it's worth it to to work there, just to like beat the line for hours. How long is a, like the longest line? Like four hours? No, it's actually been you know we got two slicers, two cashiers, so the line gets pretty long. It's one of the longer ones in Smorgasburg, but usually I ask people you know every few people, and it's it's like you know thirty forty minutes at the most. So nice. uh, we're moving it along pretty fast. Uh, despite despite there being a line, and even though some of the other places too, it doesn't look like they have a line. It'll be like they'll take an order and then call you later. Where we're getting everyone as soon as you order, you get your food right away. So, well, it looks like uh, it looks like these guys are about to open up the ribs. some ribs. Yeah. How would you describe this? Let's 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 pull a little U-turn here. There it is. So, we we, we can almost give a play-by-play here. They've been cooking what for an hour now. Uh, I think the the left third has been on for a couple hours, and then the two thirds on the right has been about an hour. So, and now they're they're taking them to what? Flip them and baste them. Oh yeah, yep. there's a big bucket of uh, basement juice flip. getting poured into a smaller bucket with a big mop. This is badass, dude. Is it fun to see kind of the other ways? Have you seen this kind of cooking? before? I have not seen this kind of cooking before. This is actually one of the things that really, you know, I had seen videos of. Sam Jones setting up the cinder blocks and just the size of this pit with all the ribs on there is is pretty pretty crazy. And I mean, but it's funny because this is pretty country. Like this is yeah not, yeah. This is just a bunch of cinder blocks piled up with like some coals underneath. Seen them, seen them get the big fire over there with all the food trucks here last night. Yeah. Everyone's over here looking, watching these huge flames go up. Well, I mean, it's basically just a giant open fire cooking as hot as possible to make coals because they literally need coals like every hour. Yeah. And how long is it? 25 feet, you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, so it's like 20-something feet. I feel like we should go closer. You want to go closer? Yeah, All right. Cool. So I'm here at uh, Grand Park. Andrea, deputy food editor. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being out here. You guys, I mean, you guys put together something uh, pretty amazing here. 
is it is it crazy to be seeing all this happening at once? It is nuts. I mean, we we host this event every May, which is Food Bowl, 31 days of food events, and you know, there's talks, there's restaurant collaborations, um, there's movie screenings, but this is the coolest thing that we have done for Food Bowl. I've never seen anything like it. You know, having the best pitmasters in the world here, seeing all this meat, staying up overnight. Really, really a cool experience. Have you been getting much sleep or just watching everything? Uh, we, no, I have not gotten a lot of sleep. We arrived yesterday around 8 p.m. We left at 3 a.m. and then we came back this morning at 9 a.m. Nice. And uh, was there someone you're most excited to meet or most the food you're most excited to try? Or are you just ready to have it all? I'm ready to have it all. I eat everything. I'm very hungry. Um, I, you know, I'd been to Franklin Barbecue in Austin. I was excited to meet Aaron in person. Uh, obviously, Sam Jones um, and Pat, you know, I, I, I think I was just very excited to be part of the experience and meet people out of L.A., you know, because we, we've got good barbecue in L.A., but this is like legendary stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this is something that you, has this ever happened in L.A. where you've got these hog pits, you got the cinder blocks? No, never. And that's the thing. So we, so... Pete Meehan, who's the food editor, and yeah. I came last night, and we saw, like, the open flame. We saw these pits, and I was like, this cannot possibly be legal. How is this legal? I mean, you're, we're right next to City Hall. Yeah. Cannot believe it. No, nothing like this has ever happened before. And uh, did you have any idea of kind of the work and everything that goes into this, or was it cool to watch it all happen? I didn't, and, and that's what I've been telling people today, that the entire night for me was really eye-opening because I've had a lot of barbecue, but I did not understand the work that went into it, the labor, and also just the community of guys sitting around drinking late at night, the storytelling, the culture of it was, was really fascinating to see and to be a part of. And so you cover food. I mean, uh, the listeners have heard a lot from this show about Texas barbecue and the way it's blowing up. I cover a lot of the Texas joints, but we're in the middle of LA and you guys almost have a new Texas barbecue place every month or two. We do. It does seem like barbecue is taking off in LA and we're seeing people like Burt Bachman, who used to do Trudy's Underground Barbecue as For a sure. pop-up. Last year he opened up Slab Barbecue, which is really great. And we've got places that have been around for, for a while, like Bledsoe's doing like some of the best brisket in town. Um, I'm liking that there's more, it seems to be more of an appreciation for barbecue coming to LA, which is great. What do you like about barbecue? Are you a, do you like big platters? Do you like sandwiches? What's your favorite way to eat it? I just like the straight meat. I mean, I'll do a barbecue sandwich for sure, but you know, sometimes it's like you don't want the bread, you don't want anything. I don't even don't want sauce. Don't waste space. Don't waste space, exactly. Just the meat. Uh, yeah, I love brisket's my favorite. Um, I'll do ribs. I'll do it all. I mean, I've a couple of weeks ago, I was with at Adam Perry Ling's restaurant. Ooh. He started doing barbecue for lunch. We got a big platter. Best lunch I've had in weeks. Well, and it's funny because I've talking to L.A. people, talking to some of, you know, it's cool because all the people's friends and family get to come back here and check it out. And there's been a lot of questions like, how do you guys decide how to share space and whatever? Mm -hmm. Because chefs and, and restaurant people in general, there tends to be a little bit more competition or whatever. Is it interesting to see that everyone just kind of gets along and it's a good time? I'm so glad you said that. When I came here, I totally thought there'd be like rivalries because, you know, it's, I, there's something about the notion of all these guys coming here and I thought there would be like a lot of trash talking and there has been, but like with love yeah. and people are helping each other out and I thought that was really cool. So you're seeing people 
you know, just lend their assistance to other pit masters. Um, and it's been a very friendly atmosphere. No competition. Well, and uh, we talk about the hashtag barbecue fam and barbecue family yeah. uh, on the show a lot. And it's, uh, it's one of the reasons that I have continued. You know, I started this show almost two years ago. And it's just like people want to hear more stories. People yeah. want to hear more about I could just do three episodes with you and people would listen to every minute of it. You know? That's awesome. I don't know about that, but thank you. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, so the podcast is usually like an hour. Yeah. And I've talked to, you know, some of the fans are shy to tell me they listen to other podcasts, but I listen to more than an hour of podcasts a week, you know. Yeah. And I've realized that 10 more shows could come out and most of the people who are into it would right. listen to every single one. Wow. That's really cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys uh, do you guys do much podcasting? Are you mostly writing? Mostly writing and videos. Um, we are talking about doing a food podcast, and just in the early stages of thinking about how that would come together. What's your favorite thing about? Like, are you just you love showing up, taking a few notes, and just going home and pounding the keyboard, or what? So I'm now on the editing side, so it's more like idea generation for stories, Ooh. working with writers, getting their copy, tinkering with it, making it better. Um, that's sort of like my role right now. So do you get, like, are you getting press releases every time something opens? Or are you kind of hunting down places? Countless. I mean, my inbox every morning is dozens and dozens of, of press releases for not just restaurant openings, but this restaurant is now doing brunch, or we're going to have a special chef coming in and doing collaboration dinner. So we get a lot of pitches, but then we also are always on the hunt for, like, the next really great story. And... Do you feel like, is it hard to kind of cut through or do you kind of, you know how to find an email and go, oh, okay, this is the one I want to check out? Yeah, I think that we, you know, there's things that we are looking for when it comes to pitches. Anything that's compelling, that's very local, that's unique, you know, we're not going to do, I think we'll get a lot of pitches on like a little, pro, like a grocery store product or, um, you know, a new soda, something like that. That's, that's not the kind of stuff we're doing. Um, we're trying to make our coverage a little more international. Nice. So lately you'll see a lot of stuff out of Mexico, which is great. I mean, I've, we've done fantastic stories out of Mexico City. Uh, that's a great city for food. Yeah, and, you know, so close to L.A., great Mexican food here. Um, and I think, yeah, generally speaking, I, I like to encourage our reporters to not rely on press release reporting. For sure. Yeah, because that's kind of dumbed down a lot of news. Yeah, and I want them to, to get out into the community and search for whether it's a great restaurant, a great small business owner, um, a new pop-up, uh, an economics business restaurant story. Those are the ones that I really like. Well, and since you're, you're on the hunt all the time, the, the, the people listening to this podcast, you know, some of them have a, a place that only serves 50 people a day. Mm -hmm. You know, they're trying to get into their local newspaper or, or, or get covered, you know, in their small town. Sure. Do you have any other tips? Uh, like, uh, you know, Daniel Vaughn, I'm sure, mm -hmm. the barbecue snob. Mm -hmm. He does a whole class at uh, Barbecue Town Hall about, like, how to get better pictures mm -hmm. and how to, like, show off your stuff on Instagram. Yes. Do you have a tip for just, like, the small barbecue guys trying to get their name out there? I mean, I do think in this day and age, a strong social media presence is crucial. For sure. So it is. It's taking the good photos, using the hashtags, following, you know, in any city that you're in, the the media writers who are, or, you know, podcast people, video people who are in the food community and just trying to be a part of that and tell your story. And did you grow up wanting to write about food or, I mean, this is kind of a dream job at the LA Times. This is the dream job. I have always wanted to be a journalist. 
um, and I've always loved to eat. <laughs> this is a combination of the two. I started off, I did metro reporting in the beginning, then I was a business reporter and editor for a really long time. I switched to food last summer, and it's it really is the dream. I'm very happy in this role, getting to meet cool people every single day, um, you know, and, and work in an industry where, like, you know, like I say, everybody eats. Everyone loves to hear food stories. I don't have to sell what I do, you know. Uh, is there a favorite food story you have that you picked up on L.A.? or I'm constantly chasing the barbecue scene. Yeah. So is there another scene or something that, that people should look out for if they're going to L.A.? or? Mexico City, what, what's the, the big news? There's so much in LA, and I think that's the beauty of this city, where, you know, barbecue scene is hot right now. Tacos always are, continue to be one of, like, everyone's favorite <laughs> foods in LA. Like, when you're in LA, you got to have tacos, for sure. Um, this year, we're seeing a lot of Tijuana-style tacos, a lot of uh, Berea de Res tacos. Um, what else is hot? Fancy porridge has been really big. Really? Yeah, like beautifully plated bowls of savory porridges with edible flowers and braised meats. That's a big thing in LA. Um, food halls. Yeah, it's endless. I mean, this is this is to me the greatest city in the world to eat. <laughs> there's there's so much to eat. I have a on my Google Maps. I have little pins, and there's like a hundred all over LA. Yeah. Do you have your kind of staples, like where you eat breakfast and where you get coffee near the office and stuff like that? So. Before I, I became a food writer and editor, I had more staples that I would hit up regularly. And I think once you join the food section, you want to be able to try as many different restaurants as you can and meet as many chefs as you can. So I feel like my rotation has just become so much bigger. You know, and like so the downside of that is like I'll have favorites that I used to go to once a month and now I'm going like once every six months, which is tough. Um, but yeah, I've I've got a list of I'm a list maker. I have a list of like my top 110 restaurants in nice. LA that I constantly update. Well, like I uh, I go to Snows every Saturday because I like to be a regular somewhere. Love Snows. And so, is there a place where you're like, yeah? If it's a secret, it's okay. You can just tell us like why you like going there, so we don't blow up your spot. But is there like a? Do you have a spot you like? When you walk in, they just hand you what you like, and they know you're there. Yeah, I mean, I. I feel like I have a lot of places like that in LA. One of my favorite places is actually nearby at Sonora Town, um, which does Sonoran style flour tortilla wow. tacos, what they call chivichangas, which are like grilled, small grilled burritos. And when I go there, I mean, Jennifer Feltham is the, she's the co-owner of the space. She knows the kind of tacos that I like. Um, it's this tiny little storefront, fantastic Mexican food. You should go. I'm, I'm actually probably going to go at some point today. I'm telling you, it's almost walking distance from here. Nice. Uh, and so do you get, you know, you're, you're here covering the barbecue, talking to everybody. Do you ever get to cook any barbecue? Do I get to cook barbecue? I do not get to cook barbecue. I want to now, although today I did help flip the meat. Nice. Yeah, the ribs. Put on double double layer of blue gloves. Yeah, I saw Peter was doing it too. Everyone kind of threw a hand in there. I love it. Peter was doing it. And you know... Pete is actually a very serious barbecue guy himself. Yeah. yeah, he does He does a fair amount of barbecue. He's cooking a whole hog next weekend for charity. Wow. Yeah. By himself? or uh, He brought a friend, um, his friend Jonathan, right there, and they do it every year together. That's badass. Yeah. It, it's cool to see, you know, he, he really uh, helped the scene a lot with his uh, Ugly Delicious episode. Definitely. And all his writing. Yeah. And, uh, He's doing a barbecue book. Yeah. He's writing it right now. 
I, I heard whispers of that. You yeah. know, again, I'm, I'm in Austin, so I don't always get the full story, but it's cool to, to get to hang out with y'all, you know. I, I say that barbecue is like a small community, mm-hmm. and it's cool to see how everyone's friendly, everyone's, yes. you know, no one's, no one wants to be treated like they're some big name, and that's kind of where we're at is like yes. everyone gets to talk and hang out and ask questions, you know. It's a, uh, it, it's nice because you could all very easily just be like, no, only LA Times staff here, and totally. I appreciate the fact that you know you let us small guys in. I felt that way too, honestly. When I came last night, I didn't know if it was just going to be, you know, they wanted to do their own thing, and, and I was almost like touched by how welcoming and inviting they were. You know, want to drink a beer, want some wine, eat some food. It's, it does feel like a small, very tight knit family. Uh, I have a I have an interesting question because we have um, we have this thing happening, especially in Austin. There was this thing called the FOMO Factory, which is this place <laughs> okay. that opens up and it's just a place for you to like get Instagram photos. Got it. And you know, barbecue is very visual. Are you seeing kind of like restaurants and places almost needing like a, a, a an iconic picture to take? A lot of restaurants have done that, and I think you know they're savvy to the fact that when people come into their restaurants, they're going to take the photos, and and I think. Yeah, so we'll see a cool mural on the wall, or um, I feel like lighting has actually become a little bit better sure, these yeah. days because they just know. I mean, it's tough. And if I go to a restaurant, it's super dark, and I love my food. It's I'll tell my friends about it, but I can't Instagram it. It's kind of like there's upsides and downsides to that. Well, and I'm a big fan because I just sit and look at everyone's barbecue and everyone's food all day. <laughs> but it's true, like. I think you can have a healthy relationship with your phone, but are you seeing, especially in LA, people just, we say we eat cold barbecue because the camera eats first. Yeah, there is a bit of that. So when I go out with my colleagues, we'll go to a new restaurant, the food hits the table and everyone stands up and tries to get that perfect top shot. So there are some photos. We climb on chairs. Totally. Climb on chairs, rearrange food, you know, remove napkins and and stuff just to make the shot look pretty and it is hard because it's important to put that content out there to let the public know that we're we're out there we're checking out the new restaurants we're seeing what's hot in in food right now but also remembering like for me personally to live in the moment to enjoy the food to be present when I'm at a restaurant and to not be too connected to my phone. Get the picture and then put it away. Yeah, but you know, like this was really hard because this was so, this barbecue event last night or the, the, the preparation of the barbecue was so cool to see and I wanted to also remember it. So I was taking photos and videos and then when I was doing it thinking, well, you know, other people, like my followers probably want to see it too. And then I was putting it on. So you kind of get into this cycle of being very connected to social media and then also wanting to like pull yourself back from it. Yeah, yesterday I was getting, uh, you know, Instagram is one of my most active places, so I probably had a hundred guys. What else is happening? Shoot more. Show me. What, can I see the pig again? Where's yep. the fire at? Yep. You know? My boss, she lives in Long Beach, and she messaged me, and she's like, "You gotta post more content." I'm like, "All right, all right." So, you know, I've got <laughs> like to work. like a thirty to forty part Instagram story on barbecue right now. Yeah, but I mean, you're making it. The cool part is, is uh, I was talking to a friend who was having trouble managing their social and just like yeah. feeling messed up about it. And I've realized that it's it's hard to cultivate a, a positive relationship with it. But the barbecue scene is so easy because everyone 
Yeah. There's no, I, I have yet to see one person go like, oh, that looks bad or that's cooked wrong. Like, everyone's just, yes, keep it up, more pictures. Super Show visual. Me a slice. And it's and it's also physical, which is really cool to see. You know, whether it's the meat flipping or, uh, you know, feeding the fire or taking the briskets out of the smoker. I mean, it's just, it's it's visually appealing and attractive to watch. Do you think there's something about, you know, there there's straight behind us is kind of an automatic smoker. Yes. But the majority of everyone here has to kind of check their fires every 20 minutes. Yes. You think there's something about having to be like on the fire constantly that makes it of taste course. better or look better? Or? I think for me, I mean, I, I can't speak to the difference in taste unless I guess I do like a side to side comparison. But I, I think for me, it, it ups the, the special factor, knowing that these guys were here all night, that they were tending to the flames, that there's so much love that goes into it that Aaron Franklin like built that smoker with his hands and yeah. it's been living in LA for the last few years and he saw it and felt nostalgic and wants to bring it back to Texas. It's stuff like that that, you know, as as just a fan of barbecue, you feel like that tug in your heart for. Yeah, and it's cool to see everyone, you know, once you get to a certain level, like Adam Perry Lang just gets to kinda of hold on to the smoker. Yeah. Uh, you know, Fat Stack makes these. Uh Trudy, or I should say Tootsie, uh, <laughs> Trudy's Underground Barbecue, Bert's smoker kind of moves around because he's got guys, you know, cooking with it because he's focused on the restaurant. Totally. It, it's so cool to see, you know, in, in Austin, it's, it's not easy to find a pit, but uh, I threw a party for some friends and cooked a dozen racks of ribs and yeah. a dozen chickens. And my buddy who has his 500 gallon just came and helped me out. And it, it really is a party anytime there's a fire in one of these smokers. It's so crazy because like, for me, watching this all come together, I'm like, man, this is like, this is work. This is a hassle getting all this stuff. We got to get permitted. We needed to, to rig these things to trailers and pull them in. But again, it's like that amount of effort makes it that much more of a memorable experience. Well, so uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but uh, the the fans we call them the meat men and the meat women that's my shirt i like your shirt <laughs> you. hashtag meat man uh, we've actually uh there's a kind of a long story i won't tell the whole thing but hashtag meat man has changed hands it started with our show then all of a sudden these japanese guys just took it over yeah um, now a lot of the people in the barbecue community use it but uh i, I like to say i was kind of telling you earlier there's a lot of owners there's a lot of people who mm -hmm. just have a trailer right now trying to get a brick and mortar What's your tip, uh, you know, as a writer yeah. to the, the barbecue people, whether they're just an enthusiast or an owner, um, to just, uh, you know, how do you feel about barbecue? What do you want to share with them about uh, the scene, you know, from an L.A. perspective? Well, in terms of getting a brick and mortar off the ground, I think that just talking with some of the guys last night about the economics of barbecue, it sounds like it's tough. I mean, it's it's hard. And I think that a lot of the public doesn't realize how much work goes into making barbecue. And I think, I think building up a big following ahead of time is really smart, you know, probably through social, um, hosting a lot of pop-up events so that your, your name is out there, your brand is out there before you launch the full-scale operation. Um, and I also think getting in touch with successful pitmasters and talking to them about the hurdles, the challenges that they have faced with a brick and mortar, probably a smart conversation to have in advance. Make you a know? plan before you just yeah. rent some space. Yeah, because even for me, I mean, I, I used to cover business and, and listening to some of the guys last night talk about how much the cost of meat has gone up and um, the reluctance of 
even loyal, regular customers to pay even 50 cents more for a sandwich. I mean, that's that's really hard. And I think if you're like a young pit master, you've got a dream. I think that's fantastic. Uh, but doing as much as you can in advance to know the realities of the business side is probably the smartest thing you can do. Nice. Well, Andrea, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, it was so nice to do this. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So I'm here at the LA Times Food Bowl with Valerie from Valerie's Confections. You got a big green egg going. What do you got going on in here? I have a big, big green egg going on right here. I am making Mezcal Sticky Toffee Pudding at the All-Star Barbecue Fest here at the LA Food Bowl. And so uh, for the fans out there, you know, this is a very Austin-based, Texas-based podcast. Tell us about kind of how you got into this kind of cooking with, uh, with desserts? So I started Valerie Confections 15 years ago. We started as a chocolate company and moved on to bakery, full bakery. We have two cafes in Los Angeles. We ship around the country. And a few years ago, coincidentally, on a trip to Texas, I fell deeply in love with the art of barbecue. I was on a book tour um, six or seven years ago, and I went to endless cities in Texas. And I never really explored Texas deeply. And I decided on the plane ride there, because I was going to be in Texas by myself for like 10 days, that I would really explore barbecue during that time. And during that journey, it was like barbecue <laughs> came alive for me. And when I got home, I just kind of felt like, I want to eat barbecue everywhere I go. And I want to hang out with more barbecue people and learn more about this process. And the ritual and glory that is barbecue. And the more I got into it, the more I felt like I want to do things on a barbecue. And then I started researching desserts on barbecues and I was like, there's not a whole lot happening. And I do believe that there is life beyond a grilled pineapple and a grilled peach, which seemed to be the extent of the canon, more or less. And if you look at like traditional barbecue culture, what happens is there's all this meat that happens, there are these wonderful sides, and then someone might bring a pie. Someone might bring a cobbler, and I just felt very much so like, let's make dessert a part of the community and cooking process, instead of having it be this separate thing that goes on. So I started playing with grilling desserts um, on Big Green Egg, and I've come up with about 50 recipes already of things that work super successfully. Wow. That's yeah. a serious recipe book. It's a serious recipe book, which might be my next book. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's a pre-plug, y'all. Um, so it's, I don't know, I, I love the barbecue community. I love the idea of outdoor cooking and live fire. And there's something just so different than um, standard confectionery in a pastry kitchen with really specific ovens and really specific timers and the repetition where you really are just sort of like you're responding to natural heat and you're constantly adjusting things and then I get to eat you know delicious brisket and ribs all the time and that's not a bad thing either. Yeah you get to kind of link up with all the barbecue people. Totally, totally. and it's a super fun community and it's a really vibrant community and I think during an age of super heightened technology and alienation, it's an important community. Yeah, it slows everything down. Absolutely. Everyone likes to take their time. Yeah. Do yeah. you like the idea of kind of, you know, you've got these, these sticky toffee puddings? Yep. Is that, is that yep. they are? Take a look. So I've got one in right now. This is a mezcal sticky toffee pudding. So I've layered mezcal in, in three directions. So dates are cooked with mezcal. 
then I make um, a burnt caramel sauce with mezcal, and then I finish the entire thing with mezcal as well. <laughs> so I really like to play with flavors that naturally um, celebrate the flavors of the grill. So you're getting smoke, roast, underbelly, deep, unctuous flavors. So a lot of what I do um, will naturally play up those flavors. And people are like, always fascinated by the idea that I'm making desserts on a barbecue. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm like, holy shit. I know. <laughs> there's so much stuff So there's here. something like super liberating about it. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a self-trained chef type person. I right. never went to culinary school. So I don't really see like the whole can I do this, can't I do this. It's more about what do I feel like doing and let's make it work. And this has been an incredibly gratifying arm of my career and the company. And people are re responding to it very positively. Well, and don't you think that's kind of how a lot of people got to barbecue? It's totally. just, just They just started a fire, yep. put some something in the way, meat, yep. dessert, whatever, and just... And then there it is. Do you want to close yeah. this? I don't want to, I don't want to kill your Keep dessert. <laughs> Do you want to look at the finished product? Um, I'll, I'll probably yeah, just cut in over. some shots of it. Okay, cool. I, I, I want to hear more about your story. Okay, great. So right now, you know, I'm doing more and more sort of barbecue events around the country. Um, I do a barbecue boot camp twice a year at the Alice Hall Resort in Solvang. So what I'm, what I'm really exploring right now is learning about different forms of barbecue, from Santa Anita to Kansas to Texas. And really, I do like to pair desserts with what's being served. Like I'm doing a griller event in Montana later this month. And, you know, to me, it's sort of like dessert really needs to be a part of the menu. It shouldn't be a disjointed fraction of the menu. It should be a part of it. It should be part of the, the palette um, scope that's going on and what's being served. So I really like to collaborate with what the other chefs are doing, what they're serving, and come up with something very complimentary so that the people who are eating come away with just an incredible experience. And I found a lot of people, particularly as a woman chef, um, a, I am infiltrating a fairly male-dominant society sure. here in barbecue world, um, and sort of demystifying working with live fire, lighting a grill, right, and bringing desserts to the forefront of this community that hasn't really had desserts. So there's a lot of, like, fun barrier-breaking that's happening unintentionally, <laughs> but is there definitely a very positive side note to this whole thing. Well, then, uh, one of the things that... You know, I, I, I check my demographics on Instagram, mm -hmm. and YouTube, and all that, and it's very male-dominated yes. in general. Yes. But I think it's interesting because I've I've had a bunch of women on, yep. Jess Pryles, uh, Catherine Stiles, mm -hmm. who has her own brand in, in Austin, uh, Diva Q, who's okay. a Traeger yep. pellet grill. Yep. Um, you know, she's like... Traeger girls are a thing. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, Christina Fritz-Gerald, who's yeah. more of a competition person. Yep. So the women in barbecue, I feel like barbecue is one of those places where if you can show up and cook, no yep. one really cares, nope. you know, how long your hair is or whatever. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's really interesting because there are women getting into barbecue yes. and there's not really a barrier the way that other right. scenes have. And it's, right. it's, it's so much fun because everyone's like, sure, come cook. Like, yeah. The, I don't think people realize how, how chill the barbecue scene yes. is. You know, there's, there's been... I've seen, you know, you have friends here. Yeah. We all have people kind of stopping by yep. and 
nice the the events nice enough to kind of just let people back here mm-hmm. to hang out. It's and very communal. Yeah, it's very communal. And, and this was the thing that I really found after 15 years in pastry kitchens, feeling like I want to be outside. I want to be meeting people and having that sense of sharing that goes on. Um, because I think that pastry kitchens in particular become become very regimented. Yeah. And that is the nature of what we do. It is regimented and it's about specificity and production. And what I love about working over live fire is that no two days are exactly the same. And you really have to have that sense to evaluate how is the fire responding now? How is the heat going? How's it all working? And respond to that sensibly and with a level of skill. Um, And that is a great thing to try to hone. You know what I mean? It's very different than 15 minutes, low convection fan, 310 degrees. Right. That's it. Well, and do you think, you know, for those out there who want to kind of blow their friends away yes. with a Valerie Confections type dessert, yep. uh, is the cast iron helpful because it holds cast heat? Cast iron or? is huge. And really what I found is cast iron is the only way to um, effectively grill desserts. Don't use aluminum. Don't, yeah, don't, don't use stainless steel. It will, it will burn. Um, I am posting a lot of recipes during the summer on my website, ValerieGordon.com, um, and I do events around the country that you can come and learn how to do these desserts. Two huge things. Butter is your friend. Baste your cast iron with more butter than you could reasonably think you would need because you actually need more. And that will provide the most gorgeous, deep-flavored crust to anything that you are making on the grill. And the cast iron is really, really integral to proper heat distribution. And so what do you, what inspires you? You know, this is a, this is a really interesting dish. Mm -hmm. I mean, I saw you just literally pouring liquor all over it, it. mezcal all over it. (laughs) So is that, is there a, is is there a more regimented way of doing that, that you're kind of playing off of, or you just? No, no, it's really, it's, 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 it's kind of like the analyst, analytics of what's inside the dessert and also what I want to do. And so there's a lot of liberty around what I'm doing. I find um, primarily high-fat desserts grill really, really well. Um, And again, I'm just looking at flavor. I'm looking at flavor. And this is one of the most popular barbecue desserts I've done to date. And it's because you're getting all those wonderful elements of smoke, caramel, um, uh, you know, sort of lovely buttery tones that sort of imbue the entire thing and hitting it with a naturally smoky spirit just kind of takes it over the top. Like if you have this dessert after, you know, the rib from Adam Perry Lang, you are very, very happy. You're super happy. <laughs> it's like a great compliment to the meat that's being served here. And so the, you know, the, the, the dessert is very kind of Mexico, Texas. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is all mostly Texas barbecue. We've got some uh, ribs and whole right. hog guys. Yep. Do you feel like the, the I, I'm from Texas, so yep. there's a California scene. Are a lot of people drinking mezcal here? Mezcal's or, huge right it's now. It's huge right now? Yeah, two mezcal bars just opened up. Um, but then conversely, like at a barbecue event I'm doing next week, I'm doing a cherry clafouti, which is a very traditional French bistro dessert. And this has been one of the super fun things, is taking something that is considered sort of elegant and a little bit bougie and putting it on a barbecue, and it works. And serving that with a delicious, you know, smoked grilled chicken 
and you know some lovely caramelized scallops that are coming off the grill that's a lovely lovely meal and i think that it there's a little bit of revolution happening there because it's not what you would expect to see coming off of a grill do you think that uh, i mean there's nothing really better the only thing that makes barbecue better is great dessert right and do you see these places you know bert's got cupcakes at yep. his place yep are you seeing, you know, everyone's kind of stepping up their desserts with the barbecue? Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. That's why I'm doing this. <laughs> do you do you usually, like, do you supply any of the restaurants? Or are you always doing your own thing? I, I don't supply restaurants with that. We have two of our own places here in Los Angeles. Oh, cool. Um, Valerie Confections, and I do grilled desserts in front of the Echo Park location. Really? During the summer, yep. Um, like but with it's this more thing about, or what? I, yes, with the Big Green Egg. Um, I would say it's not about wholesaling to other barbecuers. It's about being a part of the barbecue experience. Are you near any other barbecue places? Or uh, in, in Austin, there's mm -hmm. kind of these neighborhoods yes. of barbecue. Yeah. Is that happening in L.A. too? Um, one, my main location, actually, um, Rag Top Ferns Barbecue is one and a half blocks away. Cool. And sometimes we trade pie for barbecue. Hey, that's a good trade <laughs> in my book. Yeah, totally. Hey, they come in and meet man. Y'all don't see me eat man. Hit on the meat man. Y'all don't see me eat man. I got jaws like a bear trap, a teeth like a razor. I made tack tongue with a sensitive taster. I was born out in Texas called the land of beef. Never catch a muscle green to show in the hell that like a meat on the meat man.